You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, uh, Packers cut Christian Kirksey, and they cut uh, Mr. Rick Wagner. Um, I think one of them, in my mind, both of these were relatively obvious in terms of cost savings. Um, There was, I was, I guess, surprised to see, but I guess I shouldn't have been when I did my cap video on YouTube, uh, surprised to see how much pushback there was in terms of, there's no way we're cutting Wagner, you dummy, we're obviously getting rid of Billy Turner. Um, That was never really an option in my mind. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Of course, it's an option, and maybe it would have happened, but just as far as understanding the Packers' DNA, there's no way. Um, it was painfully obvious that they absolutely love and adore Billy Turner. Can't say I or anybody else really understands why, but, um, I mean, look, he's, he's a versatile guy, which they like. Um, he can play guard, he can play tackle. He clearly got better, especially as a run blocker down the stretch. And um, if you remove the two Tampa Bay games, he was a pretty decent player for the Packers. I'm not going to get crazy and say he was great. He was fine. Um, not that you can just forget that that happened because you can't and um, it's kind of an important aspect to understand that a player got beat that bad twice especially in the most important game of the year but again um, and and that's honestly it's not to say that they couldn't still move on but I I just doubt that they will Um, and it does begin to give us a clearer picture of the offensive line as I said everything changes once the first shoe drops so at this particular point in time our right tackle is Billy Turner Um, so I'm assuming that is the plan going forward which means as of right now Corey Lindsley is not a Green Bay Packer unless he gets a contract which in my mind puts Elton Jenkins at center meaning we don't have any guards now you can list off guys and well we drafted three guys not they're not good though that's the problem and I know everybody loves Runyon and um, that's cool he was kind of awful um, he had the, the first two weeks he was good, and that it's that same syndrome that I said everybody has where if you start off and you look real good early and then you kind of play once in a while but don't do a good job and it's not super noticeable at least, everybody just continues on thinking this guy's really good. His first two games he did well. I think the next like eight games that he played, all eight of them or however many it was, he was really, really bad. I apologize for that low-end hum. I keep noticing it, and then I have to do something to make it stop. I don't know why it's doing that, um, but it should be gone now. It'll probably come back, and I'll have to stop it again. Um, eh, again, it's just one of those things. So, so again, this is a big part of the reason why, I mean, Corey Lindsley is a massively important player in my mind. I mean, he may be the top of the list. He's up there with J.J. Watt. He may even be higher because he's more of a long-term option. He's obviously much more of a healthy player. And it's, it's really, it's not just how good is he, it's how bad are things without him. It just changes everything. I mean, you go from having the best center in football and a very good guard to having a very good center and no guard. I know we think the world of Elton Jenkins, but he's not Corey Lindsley. I mean, Corey Lindsley was literally the best center in football. It's not impossible that Elton slides inside and is the best, but we shouldn't assume that by any stretch of the imagination. 
So, I mean, I, I, I really do think that might be, if I was the Green Bay Packers, my number one priority is we're freeing up uh, money. And there is plenty. Ah, there's that. Is that. Do we have the hum? Nope. That was just my voice. <laughs> Paranoid now. I also turned it up because it seems awfully quiet. But I also am trying to be quiet because I'm in a hotel room and I don't, you know. It's kind of early here. When I'm at home, I can be loud and wake up my kids and I don't care. Lazy bums need to get up. Anyways, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing with your lives? And I, I, to be completely honest, I'm just, there's a level of confidence that I have that they're going to do it, even though that's probably naive on my part. I mean, we know that the Packers generally don't give third contracts, although um, the opposite side of that is they just gave one to David Bakhtiari and say, well, one's a tackle and one's a center. That's true, but there's also the general idea that when you have premier players, you don't let them go. And when you generally are talking about some of these other guys, Man, that is super annoying, that buzzing. I don't know if that's my Bluetooth. Let me get that out of here. But generally what we're talking about are 31, 32-year-old guys. Um, and whereas other teams will sign good offensive linemen well into their 30s, and there's plenty of them out there. I mean, 33-year-old. I mean, there are teams that have nothing but 30-year-old offensive linemen. Um, the Chiefs have a bunch of them. I'm trying to remember from the drafts. There's so many teams where I look at and I'm like, you guys should get an offensive line. And they get mad at me. Like, well, we got a great offensive line. It's like, yeah, dude, but they're... They're all in their 30s, and they got like one year left on their contract, so we should probably start addressing this. Corey Lindsley's 29. So, I mean, again, there's a general principle that when you find good players, you don't let them go. I mean, that's 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 just GMing 101 stuff right there. Um, and, again, you're talking about a 29-year-old who just came off the best year of his career. I don't see why you don't pay him. And, and he's a center. That's the thing. You start talking about J.J. Watt and paying him. We're talking, what, 15, 16, 17 million? Who knows what it's going to get up to. Again, I, I read that uh, thing that somebody said he's probably closer to 14, which would make sense, but it also would make sense that that 14 rapidly goes back up to 17 just based on competition. Corey Lindsley supposedly is at about 9. I mean, again, for a team that really covets offensive line play, the ability to run the ball, protecting Aaron Rodgers, there's nothing more important than that offensive line. I mean, in general, in football, I don't know that there's too many things more important, despite the fact that we criminally underrate the importance of an offensive line, and you have one of the best offensive linemen in football, and we're going to let him go because we've got some stupid rule about a third year. And again, I, I while well, we have Elton waiting in the wings, yeah, but then we just created another hole. So we create a hole at center, we fill it with a lesser player, and Elton Jenkins, and then we create a hole at, at left guard, and we're going to fill that with a lesser player than Elton Jenkins. And we don't have a right guard because we just vacated Billy Turner's spot to move him to tackle. And we drafted three guys that can play guard last year. Two of them hardly played at all, if at all. One of them played a decent amount, and everybody likes him as far as being a fan favorite, but he's not the greatest player in the history of the world. Not necessarily even good by some stretches of uh, measurement. I don't know what stretches had to do with that, but you get what I'm saying. By some metrics, let's say that. So it just it solves so many problems. Drop $9 million on Corey Lindsley, and again, it's not going to be $9 million on the cap. It might be 6 or 7 you know, as far as first year. You give him a three-year contract that goes from 29, 30, and 31 years old. Maybe he turns 32. Oh, my goodness, whoop-de-doo. He'll be fine. You know, it's important, and we're talking about for the remaining tenure of Aaron Rodgers' career. Likely, you know. And if you want to draft offensive linemen, draft offensive linemen. Get guards. Why not? It's not going to hurt. We still need at least one guard. If we end up with two, it's not going to kill us. Still, I mean, again, we had under Ted Thompson for a long time, we had several backups that were that were starters around the league. J.C. Treader, 
He's one of the better offensive linemen in football right now. He was a backup for the Packers for years because the Packers knew how important offensive line was. They always drafted and developed offensive linemen, did a fantastic job of doing that. That's just a culture here, and they're continuing that culture, which I love. But I mean, all the way back to the Brett Favre days, we've had some great offensive lines. Um, I think it's one of the most underrated aspects. I mean, everybody knows when you think Green Bay Packers, you think quarterbacks. Secondarily, you might think wide receiver. I think offensive line needs to be up there. There's been some bad ones, and obviously people, it probably stands out in their mind how many times Aaron Rodgers was on his back some of these years, um, you know, getting four sacks a game or whatever, just horrible stuff. But um, aside from some, some blotches, I mean, there have just been some great offensive lines. And again, if you continue to develop guards, it just gives you so much, and, and tackles, by the way, because Billy Turner is going to have to be replaced sooner than later. He's already 30. Um, it doesn't have too much time left on his contract. But, um, yeah, continue doing that. Now, again, there's nothing that's going to upset Packer fans more at this point than a tackle that is a long-term development, although it's probably a wise thing to do. Are we humming? No, we're looking good. I have to stop talking to see if there's a thick bar there, which would be a hum sound. It's a thin line, so we should be good. Got some Dunkin' coffee, man. I'm so tired. This, this is just delicious. I'm so happy. There's a Dunkin' right next door, which is true of every citizen of Massachusetts. There's always a Dunkin' right next door. Oh, it's good. But the, the versatility of everybody also helps. So if you draft, let's say, a tackle and a guard, and anybody goes down, you're good. If Corey goes down, we got Elton Jenkins, and we got a guard to fill in that spot. If Billy Turner goes down, we got the tackle that we drafted, or if he's not panning out, we got Elton Jenkins, and then we got a, a guard that we can, you know, we got Corey that can play center, we got another guard that can fill in for, for Elton Jenkins. So really, a guard and a tackle, assuming that they can play, we're good. And even if they can't, you got Runyon as a, as a low-end you know, like, this is as bad as it gets, and it's not that bad. I mean, there's never been, like, a Billy Turner moment with John Runyon where it's like, dude, that was, you gave up, like, seven sacks, and I'm going to punch you in the, I know you'll kill me as a human being, but I'm still going to punch you right in the face, just because you need that right now, and I will happily take a beating just to deliver that message that you suck. (laughs) That hasn't happened yet, but he also hasn't had a lot of opportunities. Let me pull that up really quick, just so I can be clear, because I know people love Runyon, so I just want to let you know exactly what I'm seeing, so I'm not just saying random things. Um, I will say, though, at this point in time, if you're not trusting me to at least some degree, you're just refusing to. I mean, <laughs> just these two players. I told you Wagner was gone. I told you Kirksey was going to be gone. Not only that, I told you he shouldn't have been signed in the first place. I told you about Billy. As soon as he got over here, he was the one free agent I wasn't so sure of. If I'm telling you Runyon, maybe, you know, especially when it's like the fan base loves the guy, Kevin King. Everybody loves him, and I'm the one guy that doesn't like him, and how dare you, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm kind of bad in a thousand on those. MVS, right? Well, he just needs time to develop. Okay, well, we're going on like year 17, so I think I'm ready to move on. So in terms of grade, he had a 54 overall, which I had, um, forgot who it was that asked me. Actually, he didn't ask me. He was asking the universe, and I just saw it and answered it. But I think the general question is people expected his grade to be like in the 70s because the, the general culture of Packers Twitter is John Runyon's a really good guard. Generally, Packers Twitter is going to be, if I told you Elton Jenkins' grade, there would be a riot. It's nowhere near as good as you think it is. That's not to say that PFF is right and, and you guys are wrong or, or you know you or whoever is wrong. It's just to tell you that it's never really been as high as everybody expects it to be. But we're not talking about Elton Jenkins today. And yes, I do like Elton Jenkins. I think he's a good guard. That's beside the point. It's just fans love their players more than... I mean, they're fans. That's what you're supposed to do. 
But I was wrong about John Runyon. It was just his first game, not his first two games. I could have swore it was the first two. But he had a 73.1 overall grade as a right guard. Now, the one thing to note is that he played right guard the first two weeks, and those were both his two highest graded games. He got switched to left guard and even played a snap at left tackle against Carolina, and those were all very bad. So it's sort of kind of possible that right guard is his home. And maybe he gets in there and he just does a great job and everything's fine. He's going to be our right guard of the future. That's where he did his best work. It's also possible that his first two weeks were his best two weeks and everything just went downhill from there. We see that all the time with rookies. They come out and for some reason they're really good to start. They get this weird, it's almost like they, they, they're they way too confident and they play with just a ton of confidence and then they realize how hard this is and it starts to beat them down over time. Like it's a weird psychological thing. They don't know what they don't know, and then it just kind of gets, I don't know, I'm just, I, I made that theory up, but it's kind of hard to explain. But anyways, um, 73, 61, 60, 47, 50, 57, 59, 60, 60. Now, to be clear, the only significant snaps he played, I mean, week one was iffy as far as significant. We're talking 15 snaps. Um, his three worst games came when he played the most. So we're talking eight snaps, two snaps, one snap, three snaps, one snap. Are the, the other games, which we'll kind of discount. The three games in which he played actual starter snaps. Uh, San Francisco, 31 snaps, 47 overall grade. 50 snaps against Indy, 50 overall grade. Chicago, 50 snaps, 57. So again, the three games that he actually played as like basically a starter were his three worst games of the year. So the more time he gets to play, the worse things get. I know what it was. It was his pass blocking grade was good the first two weeks and then was horrible after that. Um, Run blocking was only good his first week and then average to bad after that. In terms of statistics, he allowed zero sacks, zero hits, and four hurries. Now, again, that's a very small number, but he played not very often. I'm still trying to burn in my brain what good and bad statistics are for offensive linemen, but he allowed a pressure about once or about five percent of his pass blocking snaps, which I promise you is is a pretty high number. Billy Turner was at 4.8. So again, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not great. Let's compare and contrast that with a few others here to get a kind of a baseline of what we're talking about. So Elton Jenkins was under 3%, 2.8% was his pressure percentage rate. Uh, David Bakhtiari was 2.0, he was at 2%. And Corey Lindsley, who I've been trying to tell you is a must-keep, was at 1.3%. So about 1 in, one in 77 snaps compared to John Runyon's 1 in 20. So again, that's not to say he can't develop. He didn't play very much. Um, he's a young guy, but also we can't sit here and play this game every single time where we just assume everybody's going to be great. Most of the time, players are not good. Most, 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 most of the time, most, most of the time, when we're talking sixth round picks, they don't develop into anything promising. I know we get super excited about certain guys. We always find reasons. It's weird. We, we will find any reason in the world to hate our early round picks. And I think it has to do... How do I explain this? I think the analysis of a lot of the picks assumes the value of the round. And we don't account for that. Let me explain what I mean. You might have a pick like Rashawn Gary. And the analysis from everybody you listen to is that wasn't a good pick at pick 12. He, and they start going over all his negatives, all his flaws, and why they should not have picked him. They should have gone Brian Burns or whoever else. And so in our brains, we hear bad pick. 
Then you get a guy, and I know we're talking about different draft classes, but let's say John Runyon, you go through the sixth round, and maybe they'll pick somebody out. I think uh, somebody else had picked out Stepniak as a very uh, promising prospect that should have been gone. But for our purposes, we're talking about John Runyon. And people start talking him up. Like, you know, he's he's like a fourth-round talent. Um, he's got all these extra special attributes. And so in our brain, we hear Rashawn Gary bad, John Runyon good. And so our expectation is that Rashawn Gary will never develop into anything, but John Runyon's going to be a great guard, which is ridiculous because we're not taking into account positional value. If Rashawn Gary, if, if John Runyon was taken at pick 12 and Rashawn Gary was taken in the sixth round, John Runyon would have been the worst pick of all time. Rashawn Gary would have been the best pick of all time. But we get these little things stuck in our head, and I think that that has to do with why we tend to really like a lot of these late-round late guys. Ty Summers is another one that some people just never let go of it. Dude, he's so fast. And you start just explaining their attributes. And a lot of times, a lot of these late-round guys are just attributes, and that's why they get drafted. They're, they're not good football players, but they're fast, or they're tall, or whatever. Like MVS, I, I don't know how many times I've said it. There is no reason for a guy that is that big and that fast to go that late in the round other than he's just not a good football player. And so when you see him come to the NFL and it's like, well, he's got all the attributes, he's just not a good football player, but man, if he can turn that corner, it's like, you know, that's kind of the problem though. If it was a guarantee he would turn some kind of a corner and become a great receiver, he would have gone in the first round, early first round. He has attributes that almost nobody has. There's a reason he went as late as he did, but we can't let it go. He's so tall. He's so fast. Oh, my goodness. Think of it like dating. There's a guy. He's 35 years old. He's single, never married. He's rich, really good looking. And you find out the reason. I know I'm talking mostly to dudes, so this is weird, but, you know, it's all right. The four ladies listening will, uh, will understand. The reason that he's single, despite the fact that he's super rich and super good looking and whatever else that you're into got a great car i don't know kind of goes hand in hand with rich but we'll add that is because uh he's kind of a jerk he's very selfish and um just not good relationship material and so somebody comes along and says you know what i think i'm going to date him because i like the rich and i like the handsome and i think we can change the personality type if we could just get him to stop being a horrible human being man i got myself a catch here and so i'm trusting my abilities to change this human being into something that he's not how confident would you be if that was your sister that this is going to be a great relationship you would not be confident at all yet we got mvs over here that everybody says oh of course he can change uh, i you know okay <laughs> okay again those attributes should never go that late. There's a very serious flaw in his ability to just be a football player. And I hate to keep picking on him, but he is the ultimate example of he's got these unbelievable attributes that a fan base will never get over. They'll never get over it. He could be here for the next 10 years and people will be saying this is his year because they just can't let it go. He's so tall, he's so fast. He's so tall, he's so fast. He's so tall, he's so fast. So what? It just doesn't matter. Devontae Adams is not tall and he's not fast by NFL wide receiver standards. He's the best football player, best wide receiver in football. Michael Thomas is not tall. He's not fast. Julio Jones is big. He, he's, he fits the mold. He's really big. He's really fast. But it doesn't have to be. It helps. But there has to be that piece of you being a very good football player. If Julio Jones was not a good football player, he would not be a good football player. Whoa! Blowing minds here today. So the fact of the matter is, and you can do whatever you want. I, I view John Runyon as a sixth-round player with very little uh, very little belief that he's going to turn into a very, very good guard. Now, because he's a guard, there's more 
reason to believe that than not. But I, I just I, I, I say all this to say that offensive line is very important, and I'm not simply going to say it's no big deal. Get rid of Corey. We're not going to spend money on him. Bring in Elton. He's going to be a great center. Not true. I mean, fine, but he's not Corey Lindsley. And then, you know, we, got, we drafted three guards last year, so we're good. It's not just position. It's human beings. What people do we have playing? Well, we drafted three guards. Well, what does that mean? Who? Who are the three guards, and how good are they at football? Everybody has guards. The, the Vikings have guards. The Seahawks have guards. So what? Are they good at football? Well, no. Is that a serious problem that they've been trying to fix for 15 years? Yes. Do you want to be them? No. Then maybe we should give it a little bit more thought than we drafted three guards, we're fine. I don't want to be the Vikings. I don't want to be the Bengals. I don't want to be the Chargers. I don't want to be the Seahawks. That's not what I want. So I would like to sign Corey Lindsley. Thank you very much. And again, it feels unlikely that they wouldn't, but at the same time, it's like, you know, they already took care of David Bakhtiari. I haven't heard a single word about Corey Lindsley, so I, I don't know. We'll see what they decide to do. I mean, the Packers clearly are one of the few teams that would happily be like, nah, we're good. They're just, they're that confident in themselves all the time. You know, we're, we're always willing to do the prudent thing because we're never going to GM scared. But I, I don't think we're in scared ter- territory. I think we're in, this is the best center in football, please resign him territory. Um, and again, in terms of Christian Kirksey, I mean, just there, there was, that was never, ever an option. Even if Joe Barry came to me and said, you know, I think Kirksey could be the guy. I think he could be that linebacker that I need. I would say, you know what, that sounds great. Find somebody else. Because I'm not paying him as much money as it's going to cost to keep him here. It's too much. It's too much for a linebacker, period, unless they're very, very, very good. And Christian Kirksey is far, far from very, very, very good. And by the way, as I said before, he's never, ever, ever, ever been very, very, very good. That was always made up. This idea that he's so good when he's healthy was never true. I went through all the statistics. I went through all the grades. He's never been very good. That was always nonsense. Why did the Packers pick him up? I don't know. Probably similar to the reason they picked up Billy Turner, who's also never been very good. They just trust that in my scheme, he's going to work out just fine. He can be a, a you know he can fill that role that currently is um, void. Maybe he won't fill it well, but we still need somebody that can do X, Y, and Z, and he can do it. Just not very well. Fortunately, that apparently never came up. Um, And so the Packers now are in a pretty good cap spot. We still don't have an official number, but um, according to SpotTrack and over the cap, the Packers are sitting at about negative 11. They've leapfrogged several teams. I think they were, were the fourth worst team. Saints, Eagles, and Rams were... The only teams that had worse cap situations, but they have leapfrogged the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Falcons, and the Raiders. And they're right about the same situation as the Vikings right now. And again, they haven't done anything that is super painful. Rick Wagner is not great, um, but as I talked about yesterday, there's plenty of room left to go here. Um, Outside of the really small cuts, uh, what do we got here? Rick Wagner's done. You got Dean Lowry is almost $5 million. Dean Lowry by himself gets us all the way, almost all the way home. Now, again, that's not a guarantee. They do tend to like Dean Lowry more than we do. Um, you know, every time we have a defensive tackle that we like, like Kiki or Snacks Harrison, Dean's always out there doing it. Even on third and short, they had Dean out there, which I think was stupid. But, um, again, it's just one of those things you just read the tea leaves and you just look at it and say, oh, they're getting rid of Dean. Why? Do you think they should get rid of Dean because you think so or because it seems like the Packers don't like him? Because if we're going based on what we think the Packers think, they love Dean, and I don't really know why, uh, but they do. Now, are they going to come to their senses at least a little bit and say uh, he's not worth $5 bucks? Maybe. 
I mean the five million that we could save. Now if you contrast that with Rat Wagner and Kirksey, um, I was actually stunned since day one. And this is part of the reason why I said it was a no-brainer they're getting rid of Wagner. Because again, it's not about my evaluation, it's about what I think the Packers evaluation is. I was kind of stunned that Wagner always seemed to play behind Billy Turner. I know while well, he played tackle, so I understand it depends who's who's available. We might have needed a guard, which means Billy Turner had to kick inside. But you never saw Billy Turner sitting on the bench and Rick Wagner taking tackle. If we have everything solved on the interior and they had to pick a tackle between Billy Turner and Rick Wagner, they would have picked Billy Turner every time. If you don't think that's the truth, you're just flat out wrong. They like Billy Turner more than Rick Wagner. I didn't. I disagree with that evaluation wholeheartedly. But they always felt that way. And I was stunned that since day one in training camp, they had Billy Turner ahead of Rick Wagner. And I just thought that that would change over time, and it never really did. Um, you know, again, you did see Rick Wagner take right tackle and Billy Turner slide inside on occasion because that was the best five offensive linemen we could get. Um, but it's still pretty staggering. Man, that hum is just going to make me nuts. Again, I apologize. Um, as far as options that could yet still come, um, Preston Smith is still a Packer. Um, it's entirely possible they're they're hanging on to him. I mean, first of all, it's possible they're hanging on because they're going to hang on. I tend to tend to think that that's not the case. We will see. But it's also possible that they've decided not to move on quite yet because they maybe think there's some trade value they can get out of it. And if you can get even a seventh round conditional, you just take it. There's no point in getting nothing for it. And obviously, with what 33-year-old Rick Wagner and uh, broke down Christian Kirksey, there's not a whole lot of trade value, especially with the expense that that um, Christian has. So there's just not a lot of value there. Preston does carry a little bit more value, and um, they wouldn't have to pay very much to be able to take on that contract because the Packers are still holding on to $8 million of his $16 million. So you're getting them at a discount for sure. It's just a matter of does anybody actually want him. And you you know, as, as easy as it is to dismiss that and say who would want him, there's a lot of really desperate teams out there um, that desperately need some positions. And especially when you look at this draft class and say there's just not very many options at edge, which has obviously, again, changed. Um, there's been a flood now. you got Rousseau, you've got Quiddy Pay, but then you've got a pile of other guys. But let's say you are the Giants, and you're looking at it saying, we're probably not getting an edge rusher with our first pick. You know, there's nobody really worth that value, maybe pay, but we're kind of looking at getting an offensive weapon. We might be able to get a Devontae Smith or Chase Young or Jalen Waddell or Kyle Pitts. I mean, the odds of us getting at least one of those guys are extremely high. So if we can get Preston Smith, and, and again, this is a team that has taken two of the Green Bay Packers already. They took uh, Blake Martinez and uh, Kyler Fackrell already, and if they took Kyler Fackrell and we're fine with that, I think Preston is... Uh, somewhat of an upgraded version of, of Kyler Fackrell. And again, it's a team that's that's really made some, some. I mean, they took Blake Martinez and made him a star. And they paid him good money, too, so they knew that we can bring him here, and, and in our scheme, he's going to be great. It's not impossible, and it makes sense. They do have a good defensive line, not necessarily anybody off the edge, i.e. their outside linebackers. That would be my thought is in terms of uh, Preston and why you know why not just cut him and, every, and everybody else that we're thinking. And, and again, Dean Lowry would be another one if they're even planning on cutting him. I'm, I'm assuming um, Preston is well above Dean Lowry in terms of priority to, to move on from. Otherwise, all I really have on here is extend Devontae, which should, you know, you know I, again, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe in the $5 million range, that's where I had the extension at, but you can do that in a million different ways. 
Um, it just depends how you structure the contract. There's always extend uh, or restructure Aaron Rodgers. There's restructure of Zadarius Smith. Um, I had the restructure of Zadarius at four million dollars savings. And again, you're you're risking the future to help you today, which is always. Let me pause it so the hum goes away. Did it go away? No, it doesn't want to go away. There it is. Jeez. Um, and then the last thing I put on here that I actually like that not a lot of people have mentioned, um, extend Adrian Amos. And again, it's it's somewhat of a risky proposition because you're you're not only assuming he's going to be good this year and next year, which is the final year, it's however long this contract is going to be. But again, if you give him a three-year extension, you're probably only expecting him to be good for two of those years before you can reasonably get rid of him. The way the Packers generally structure these are very front-heavy. I shouldn't say it that way. It's it's Usually they can get out by the end of the contracts, which I assumed everybody did. But again, you look at like the Eagles and Carson Wentz, that clearly was not their, their process. They gave him no money to start off and um, just got killed in the end. So anyways, uh, that is the big news of the day. Why don't we take a break and uh, talk about a couple other things. We will be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So, and, and again, I understand this isn't representing the entire Green Bay Packers fan base, um, but there is a, a corner of the fan base that thinks in these general terms. And again, I just kind of want to refocus the way we see things, just in case you tend to think this way. Um, I want to counteract that with my general opinion. Again, some people just cannot and will not get over the fact that we drafted Jordan Love. And they won't say that. They want to make themselves sound like they're more reasonable than they are. Um, is that better? There we go. Got it. But let me just read it. Championship teams don't throw away a whole draft like we did last year, necessitating so many free agents and undrafted free agents to fill all the holes left unaddressed. And this is in regard to a tweet about Packer fans wanting so many free agents. And so he's saying, yeah, well, we wouldn't need all these free agents if you wouldn't have thrown away an entire draft. Whole lot of things I have wrong with this. Start from the very beginning. Championship teams don't throw away a whole draft who threw away a whole draft and again this this is this is another issue who is it 
Because if you re even read on, somebody was like, what are you talking about? And then Zach came in and said, I think he's referring to rounds one through four of the 2020 draft, Love, Dylan, and DeGuara. First of all, even if that were the case, that's not the whole draft. Second of all, how is that throwing anything away? DeGuara was a now pick. He got injured. That's not, that has nothing to do with throwing anything away. They didn't know he was going to get hurt. That was absolutely a now pick. And, and A.J. Dillon... I mean, if you want to say there were one-and-a-half future picks being Love and Dylan, okay. But, I mean, if you can't even think two years into the future in your draft, otherwise it's considered um, throwing it away, then you're an idiot. Because A.J. Dillon went from being a luxury that is really nice to have that helped us annihilate the Titans, who was a team that we were not supposed to beat, um, to being somebody we absolutely need because we have Jamal and Aaron Jones who are likely going to be going bye-bye and if we didn't have AJ Dillon we'd be in a lot of trouble instead we're all sitting here thinking we may have the next stud at running back thanks to having a little bit more um, view into the future than just today so it's absolutely absurd to say that that pick was thrown away so the only pick we're talking about again is Jordan Love as much as they don't want to admit that I'm just obsessed with Jordan Love and I can't let it go I won't let it go that's all this is they didn't throw away an entire draft. There's one pick that was a long-term future pick. Everybody else was immediate or near-immediate help. Again, A.J. Dillon did help in 2020, and he is going to be the running back of the future most likely starting this year, which is massive because if we didn't have him, we wouldn't have a running back. Well, we could have just got one this year. No, you don't know that. You absolutely don't know that. Just like we could have got wide receiver last year, except, oh, the board never fell that way, and we got zero. Again, DeGuara was a today pick. He started week one and actually was making a pretty good impression and then got hurt. We drafted three guards. We could have used any number of them at any given time. We had a lot of people that we needed help. They just weren't ready. And if you think that we should have, instead of picking guards, should have gotten wide receivers because that would have helped, you think a sixth-round wide receiver is going to start over MVS and Alan Lazard? You're out of your mind. Name them. That's the other thing you can't do. Whenever you get into these conversations with people, it's very simple name them. Tell them to name them. Now, they can maybe do it in the first round because there were some good first-round wide receivers. Cool. Okay, sixth round. Give me the name of the wide receiver or the, what else do they want? The linebacker or the defensive tackle or whoever that could have helped. Well, it would have been better than... No, no, no. Would it be better? Give me the name. Tell me who would have been better. Tell me the name of the prospect that they should have picked. They can't do it. Because they, they, they have no idea. Because in their mind, everybody is just drafting all these great freakish players from rounds one through seven, and everybody's getting better, and we're getting worse because we're not drafting guys that are going out and getting 16 touchdowns every every uh, year. It's the most delusional thought process ever. It's nonsense. It's fantasy land. He goes on to say, necessitating so many free agent, undrafted uh, free agents to fill all the holes left unaddressed. Now, Part of this is confusing. Let me read the original quote from Packers FTW. It's Packers for the win on Twitter. He says, Packer fans last year, sign a bunch of free agents. Packer fans this year, now cut all of them and sign different ones. Which is kind of similar to what I was talking about yesterday with this whole all-in mentality. right? We need to go all-in. Then the Packers go all-in. We get excited. We don't win a, win a Super Bowl. And it's like, you should have win all-in. We need to cut these guys because they're terrible. Get a whole new batch of all-in. Because that wasn't real all-in. Real all-in is an automatic Super Bowl. Again, fantasy land. So part of the response, necessitating so many free agent, undrafted free agents to fill the holes left unaddressed, um, doesn't make sense. First of all, 
the free agent if you're talking about the free agents that we went out and got in a flurry that has obviously nothing to do with the 2020 draft if we have holes why didn't those free agents fill them because we have them so I, I don't exactly know what you're talking about other than to say if you had gotten X, Y, and Z, we wouldn't have holes. We would have these great prospects, which again, you could go back to name them, which of course they can. Who is the defensive tackle that we should have drafted instead of Jordan Love that would have filled our need at defensive tackle? Here's the answer. Nobody would have fit with the exception possibly of my man Raekwon. The problem is if we're getting Raekwon, we wouldn't have been getting an offensive tackle. We wouldn't have been getting an offensive guard that we need. We wouldn't be getting a wide receiver that we need. You know, there's going to be holes regardless. Second of all, necessitating so many free agent and undrafted free agents to fill all the holes left unaddressed, I don't think we have a lot of holes. Again, this, this, is, this is somebody who just lives in a bubble, in a Packers bubble, in which all I do is stare at the Packers and get mad at the fact that everything's not perfect because I assume everybody else is perfect and I'm embarrassed, which, I mean, that's, that's a real thing. People feel a sense of embarrassment because I'm rooting for this team and this is a negative reflection on me. And so I'm going to rise above this by being smarter than the Packers. No, this isn't, this isn't about me. This is about you're stupid, and I would never do this. Go look at any other team. Find the team that doesn't have holes. Find the team that has uh, less holes than the Packers. You're going to be in real, real tough shape, especially after um, people are all let go. Who doesn't have holes? Tampa? Are you kidding me? Tampa doesn't have a defensive line anymore. That was the one strength that they had. They don't have that anymore because they're all leaving. Who's their second best corner? Who are their safeties again? They don't have a defensive line. They need help on the offensive line. They don't have holes. Are you kidding me? The Chiefs? <laughs> are you serious? Did you watch the Super Bowl? The Saints don't have a quarterback. The Titans don't have a pass rusher. The Browns need a defensive line. They need linebackers. They need safety. They need a second corner. I mean, you have to at least know what's going on with the rest of the teams in the NFC North. I know you don't want to compare to that because we should be up with the best of the best, but I'm, I'm giving you the best of the best. Who's better? Who, who doesn't have holes? Necessitating so many free agent and undrafted free agents to fill all the holes left unaddressed, we don't have a lot of holes to address. I, I think you would be very hard-pressed to find a team that's saying, no, we're pretty good at safety. We've got the best corner in football. We've got uh, a good defensive tackle, two good pass rushers. Um, depending on whose offensive line, we might be settled at offensive line. Maybe we just need a guard. We have the best quarterback in football. We have uh, the best wide receiver in football. We have a solid number two wide receiver. Maybe we can upgrade that position and make our number two our number three. Um, but otherwise, that's about it. we we got a running back. Um, might need help at tight end, but Tunyon's there and Deguara's coming back, so that's probably good. I mean, I just, I, there aren't a lot of massive holes here. I think what the Packers do have isn't massive holes. I think when we go out and we start talking about uh, desperation and free agency, it's not like some teams where it's like, if we don't fill this, we can't field a team. I think it's more like, if we get this guy, this is going to put us over the edge. That's what J.J. is. He's not a necessity. We don't need J.J. Watt. It's not a reality that, that this team just can't function without him. It's not because we don't have any pass rush ability if we don't go get him. That's what some other teams might want him for. He would be our, our lone uh, option at pass rush. The Packers would look at it and say, you can't stop us if we get him. That's the difference. They, they don't have massive holes. They have a very good football team, and they're looking at how do we get over that little bit of a hump. Every single team has holes. The Packers are one of the, the teams with the fewest. So, again, th this is just negative fan delusion. And again, I, I know I'm not talking to the majority of you, but I, I, even if you're not 100% in this camp, I just want everybody to recognize how important it is to just take some time to go look around. Just go look around once in a while. Just see what's out there. Um, even looking at successful teams, man, this is...
crazy. All right, we got it. I, if I hit the mute button and unmute it, it, it fixes the problem. So I got to get out of here. And good news for you, you're going to be listening to me on this laptop for quite a while. So it's going to be great. Kim Kardashian West filed for divorce. What? I don't care. Um, sorry, I'm reading Twitter news for some reason. You imagine being shocked by that news? <laughs> like, what? Massive celebrities got married and it didn't work out? That's crazy. What are we talking about? Oh, right. It, it's it's good for everybody, and, and myself included, because when I watch a Packer game, I turn into that fan. Every drop is like, how dare you drop a football? You're the worst player ever. Like, that's just what my body does biologically, biochemically. I can't, I can't stop that. I have to... Like, the rational part of my brain is trying to fight through the chemistry and be like, stop freaking out, stupid. People drop footballs. It happens all the time. It's like, no, no, only Packers. This is only the Packers do this, and I'm tired of it, and this is the reason that we lose. And if only there was never a drop or a fumble, and if we got sacks every single play, like every other team, we would never lose a game, and we'd win all the Super Bowls, and I'm tired of this. That's just that's just like a thing that, that takes over me. But that's usually just during game day, and then I become a normal functioning human being after the game is over generally speaking man some people just carry that with them all the time so again it's just it's healthy to uh just balance everything out because again it's like all of our players are the best players but also all of our players are the worst like if we don't like him he's the worst human being on planet earth if we do like him he's the best ever if you say a single negative thing about him you're a moron and i'm going to unsubscribe and never listen to your podcast again elton jenkins is the greatest guard in the history of the world how dare you John Runyon is a, he's going to be the next great. You're garbage. I'm never listening to your podcast again. Also, Billy Turner should be cut and should be kicked a lot because he's the worst guard slash tackle in the world, right? I mean, it's just this this crazy, like, you know, people go nuts, man. Again, it's just the, the, the YouTube comment section proves to me that everybody's crazy. And I just want to try to help balance out the crazy because, again, even I feel it to some degree. Everybody's got that tiny sliver of crazy. And it's always good to just have a little bit of perspective. We don't need a bunch of free agents because we threw away an entire draft class. That's, I mean, a bunch of drama queens. Grown men acting like little girls. Just a bunch of little drama queens. They threw away an entire draft. (laughs) Shut up, dude. Come on. Grow up. And it's also blaming the Packers for their own dysfunction. You know, you're acting irrational and kind of crazy. I am not. The Packers forced me to do this. I have a reason for doing it, which is just a microcosm of human beings in general. You know, it's funny. You see all the, the hatred politically on Twitter. And anytime you see somebody come out and say, you know what, maybe you guys should stop being so hateful, you'll see the hateful people jump in the comments and say, it's not my fault for being hateful. I just care. And those people, if they weren't so evil, I wouldn't be so hateful. It's their fault. Nah, dude, sorry, that ain't how that works. You're responsible for yourself. You lashing out is your problem, not somebody else's. It's not, I promise you, you're not a vile, hateful human being because you just care so much. That's a lie you made up in your own head. You're angry constantly and lash out constantly, not because you're caring and compassionate, but because you're a hateful human being. But that's just, that's what we do. I'm a crazy psychopath about the Packers and about politics, and I lash out constantly, and it's always everybody else's fault. Jeez. Did anybody have parents growing up? Did a, did a single person on planet Earth have parents that taught them anything ever? Or was everybody just... They, did everybody just grow up in the streets? Did everybody grow up in the jungle with tigers? Or did your parents just shuffle you off to, like, daycare and never spent any time with you and taught you a single thing? I didn't have the greatest childhood in the world, but I learned a couple things. 
there were boundaries. If I made a mistake, it was going to be my fault. I, I learned basic human decency. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. I have a right to be horrible. No, you don't. It's crazy, man. Oh boy, Megan the Stallion's latest photo shoot is dividing fans. I wonder if they're dividing politically. <laughs> They'll find a way. They'll find a way. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. If you find yourself getting angry, try to find some level of, um, you know, focusing on anything in the world that matters. Family, friends, job, hobby. I promise you it's more important than whatever it is you're angry about. Especially if it's sports related. Especially if it's sports related. Please calm down. People flipping out over mock drafts. Mock dr as in fake. <laughs> fake drafts. I didn't actually pick for your team, dude. It's not real. When you wake up tomorrow, he's not going to be on your team. Mock drafts, dude. Psychopaths. Absolute psychopaths. You have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.